This episode is part of Padded Cell Podcast's 10-day event celebrating the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia and Mental Health Awareness Month across Africa. Hi, this is Melusi Smelane for Padded Cell Podcast. I'm from the Kingdom of Eswatini and I'm Executive Director and Founder of Eswatini Sexual and Gender Minorities, we're an organization that works for the advancement of the protection of human rights for sexual and gender minorities. We talk about lesbian, gay, bisexual, intersex, queer, and everyone you can think of that has been marginalized on the basis of sexual and gender identity. Joining me today on our talk show is Alex Nzinisa, who will introduce herself. Alex, say hi to everyone. Hi, hi. Hey, everyone. So my name is Alex, and it is such a joy to be here with you today. I am a volunteer for Eswatini Sexual and Gender Minorities, which is founded by Mr. Melusis Melane, who just introduced himself. I'm, I'm also CEO and founder of Who I Am, which is an online company that provides interactive video-based training programs designed to combine scientific principles, personal development, and spirituality to help people be the best versions of themselves. In short, basically what we do is we help people shift from a fear consciousness to a love consciousness, where we stop looking at ourselves through the filter of separation, but we start recognizing that at the core of it all, we are all connected. We are all individual consciousnesses that come from one source. So that then is aimed to help you recognize how powerful you actually are and to look beyond the perceived limitations that we have picked up throughout our life experience. So it is such a pleasure to be here with all of you. It seems an interesting it seems an interesting task that you are doing with your organization, Alex, especially at a time where LGBT people are in such of who they are, are actually without souls. Some of them are without compassion because of the horrible background that we have grown up in. I was having a conversation just yesterday with a brother of mine who is a specialist in mental health, and he was saying how behavior is learned from experience. You do not just learn behavior theoretically. You have to see how things are happening around you, and then you imitate that, and then it just plays out. I want to find out, based on your work, how are you finding that the interaction between ourselves as LGBT people, how are we interacting with each other? Is there love left? Is there compassion for each other? Or are we just solely focused in trying to fight for equality with the general populations? That's actually a very interesting question. And thank you so much for asking it. Because interestingly enough, the reason that my company even exists today is because of the LGBTQ community. I volunteered for quite a number of years in the NGO sector primarily working for LGBTI organizations. And I recognized exactly that issue, which is that as passionate as we are and as beautiful as we are and as amazing as our intentions are at the beginning, a lot of the time that behavior, that learned behavior tends to get in the way of what we are trying to do. So instead of really working for the unity as we set out to do, what we end up doing is we end up fighting amongst ourselves then there is that lack of compassion. It's really quite interesting because we start emulating even within our own ranks that fearful behavior that prompted the existence of the LGBT community groups, organizations, 
all of that, we then start creating a kind of hierarchy within our own ranks. That's like, oh, I'm acceptable, perhaps based on the societal rules. Therefore, I am somehow superior to the next person. So for example, I've actually recognized quite a bit of transphobia, which is very relevant to our Idahot theme as well. But I've recognized that transphobia comes from a place of as much as we may still experience certain levels of homophobia as lesbians and gay people, there's a sort of certain level of acceptability. You are still within the parameters of the accepted gender parameters, right? But for a transgender person, this person has now completely veered to the left. And now as a society, it's kind of like, well, you know, at least I'm still a man. Now, who, what are you doing? What are you doing? So rather than us coming together and recognizing that we are all marginalized and at the end of the day, we are all placed under this single umbrella, I will then hold on to my little corner that allows me to be somewhat normal and somewhat acceptable. And then I kind of lose that compassion and I lose that kind of unity that we need in order to move forward and and really just kind of achieve the goals that we had set out to do, which are the equality of LGBTI people with the rest of the human population. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation to have right there because you are talking of people who pass in the normal heteronormative uh, standards that we live in. And even within the trans community itself, if you speak to a lot of trans activists, they'll tell you that even within there's that struggle of trying to be better than the other. And I, I was having a conversation again with this friend of mine yesterday, talking about how the state is dealing with the issue of mental health. We are approaching Idaho, as you have said, and the theme this year is about breaking the silence. And we have been speaking so much about access to healthcare service, gender-affirming healthcare service, and so little has been done or so little has been said about accessing mental health services that are also gender affirming or sexual orientation affirming. I don't know what your take would be in terms of what our country certainly is doing in terms of mental health. I know for a fact the only state-run hospital, that clinic rather, that deals with mental health, which is in Matsapa, you might know it, is overrun because of this COVID-19 regulations of lockdown and state of emergency. A lot of people are dealing with a lot of increased anxieties, there's depression, there's stress, and therefore more and more people are making appointments at this clinic. And dare I say, a lot of these people who are making appointments are probably the heteronormatives one, but still, it is an increased number of people reporting mental health issues. I just wonder what your take would be about the the country's readiness to deal with this number of uh, mental health issues. In general, as a people, we have a very warped understanding of what mental health is. There's that kind of stigma that says mental health is basically for wackos. It is for when you're crazy and you have kind of lost your mind. So in general, people don't have the most favorable attitude towards mental health. Therefore, our government, our leaders will then take their cue from the people and not really invest that many resources. As you said, the only mental health center is currently overrun. So if in a situation whereby even for the general population, it's difficult to access the service, it is going to be that much more difficult for LGBTI people. Mm. And then added by the fact that LGBTI people have experienced such discrimination Mm. 
when they access any kind of health services, there's now a fear attached to seeking uh, health services. So we are less likely to seek some kind of mental health intervention to go to a mental health institution, even though we experience increased rates of stress, depression, just basically we have increased anxiety, etc. We face a lot more, but we have less excess. Mm. And this, I really, I really do believe has affected us I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's really horrible because, again, part of the reason that I started the company is because I would look at the organizations and there are so many priority areas, which I think also contributes to the government kind of relegating mental health services to the sidelines. There's just so many priority areas. We have the HIV pandemic and now we have the COVID pandemic. There are just so many things that are so much more important according to people such that mental health becomes the least priority. Yeah. So as a result of that, even within our own organizations, when you're looking at funding, when we're looking at initiatives and activities, we're going to focus primarily on the priority areas, which are going to be your health. Perhaps in the legal areas, we're not allowed access to our human rights. So mental health issues are usually the last thing that anyone even looks at in every area. Mental health, what? I need to eat. I need clothes. (laughs) What are you talking about mental health? Yeah. So that's kind of like the issue that I believe is a really big barrier to LGBTI Mm, people mm. even considering the thought of going to access mental health services, never mind even if they were available. You speak a lot about, even within our own institutions, looking at the very limited resources, because uh, it's very important to mention that the resources that we have as LGBT organizations are very limited. But looking at those very limited resources that we get from our founders, we tend to focus on what sells, you know? It's, It's almost like trying to chase the next dollar but before chasing the next dollar you have to be careful where really is the next dollar and the next dollar is in HIV and AIDS work I mean not to trivialize the work that is being done by a lot of our key populations organizations but a lot of focus has gone to the HIV work and that has created a lot of gaps I remember a conversation and I'm so happy you were in Hawaii when we had our first LGBT conference where we just called together LGBT people to just talk through our issues and work out what do we want to see the future of the movement look like. And there was a conversation around gender-affirming healthcare and how these key populations organizations that are getting a lot of money, which is very good because they're bringing healthcare services to our gay men, the MSM, but there is so little that they're doing for the lesbian community, for instance. It's worse for the trans community because they are being misgendered. I mean, we know that in some of these government meetings where the civil society is invited, the key populations organizations are invited, they refuse to fight the government when it comes to bringing healthcare services for trans women who are being categorized as MSM. And and you're like, then, then what is it that we are doing? Are we really trying to sustain our organizations just for the mere fact that we are employed by them? Or is this a strategic ploy for us to sustain our organizations and then be able to do advocacy on the side? It's it's a very complex situation. I don't know what your take would be on that. It really is complex because our hands are tied. What are we going to do? 
again, when you look at the statistics, HIV is primarily an MSM issue. Again, then we're going to lump everyone into that yeah. and not take their gender identity into consideration. But okay, let's 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 just do that for a second. Yeah. Uh, so we've lumped all of that, but there the LGBTI spectrum is so big. So now that means we are neglecting a large number of the community, a large part of the community and focusing primarily on this one health scare. Mm -hmm. So the people who hold the resources get to write the narrative. And the narrative is that, well, mental health isn't that important. But the truth is that a good mental health is the foundation to a good quality life for any person, primarily for LGBTI people. We face high levels of stress as a result of the stigma and the discrimination that we have to deal with on a daily basis, the anxiety. We don't have access to so many other opportunities that people do have. I guess we don't get to enjoy the certain level of privilege that our heterosexual counterparts get to enjoy. And that definitely places our mental health at a massive disadvantage. And yet that is not taken into consideration when we are looking at priority areas. So I just don't even know what to say. Our organizations may recognize the importance of mental health, but their hands are tied. Yeah. What are we going to do yeah. if the people giving us the resources aren't willing to cater to that priority area? So I think, honestly speaking, I believe in order for us to really tackle the mental health issue to the best of our abilities, I believe that the NGO world needs to collaborate with the corporate world. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of collaboration. There needs to be some kind of meeting point where the two can come together and say, okay, how can we work together to reach yeah. the people and give them what they actually need on top of the identified priority areas by our funders? Mm. You know, there's no reason to ignore the HIV pandemic, but there's no reason we should also focus on that only and ignore all the other issues that the LGBTI community faces. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the conversation that we were having was led in, in large by the heads of these organizations that we mentioned. And they themselves are saying, look, we are also suffering here, even though we have all this money to do all this wonderful work, but our hands are tied. But how do we then, Alex, in your opinion, because I mean, I remember at the last AIDS conference in Amsterdam, it was the director of World Health Organization was talking about how when we're approaching the work around HIV, we need to be very holistic. I'm sharing this because I'm thinking of a personal example. When I was growing up, I never had anyone to speak to me about the risks of HIV and AIDS in a holistic manner. because. Everyone, yeah. everyone was speaking about HIV. They were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you need a condom. And, and then that's it. You're in a workshop. You are booked for like a weekend or something. And it, it was very big when, when I came into this movement. It was very big. All of these weekend getaways, all of these bookings in hotels and gay people would congregate and it would be fun. It would be drinks and that would be like shit, lots of sex in the afternoon. But nobody really spoke about the holistic thing of protective safe sex nobody spoke about the importance of love and compassion amongst people nobody spoke about the reality of an lgbt person on a day-to-day -day life and that is why i'm so so proud of the work that you're doing trying to tap back into the humanity of the community because look it is not every day that we are going to be saying yeah, yeah use a condom and not think about the holistic 
idea of a condom. I mean, first and foremost, we have to remember that there are power dynamics in these relationships that we have. Some of us in the movement, we realize that we are gay when we're at high school and we are finally like, that's it, I'm no longer going back home where I'll be disrespected or misgendered or denied my 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 freedom of expression or my right to identify in whatever sexual or gender identity that I choose. And when you do that and then you fall into the hands of someone who is probably has a job or is a teacher or works at a bank or whatever, and that person has got that type of dynamic and you do not have a negotiating power when it comes to using these health commodities like condoms. And when we don't train our LGBT people or empower them to be able to speak up for themselves, to say, look, this is my life. I need to protect myself. I mean, my point is we need to approach this HIV work in a broader lens and understand that it's not just about wearing a condom. It's not just about making sure that you're using dental dams. It's bigger than that. It's about understanding all the other underlying issues. But anyway, to move on to my next question, Alex, you speak about civil society working hand in hand with the private sector as well as uh, government. How do you foresee this happening, especially when we know in Swaziland that our private sector is not <laughs> is not interested in supporting the LGBT movement? So how do we work hand in hand with them? I think in this case, rather than looking at the private sector as a lump, we could really benefit by approaching each company or each person as an individual. That could be primarily what is holding us back as LGBTQ people as well. We kind of lump ourselves together. We put ourselves in a group. And yes, we are amongst this group, but this is a group made up of individuals, individuals with their own characters, feelings, motives, desires, experiences, actions you know, failures, mistakes, etc. So each person is just this individual with so many complex emotions and so many complex parts coming together. So for us to lump all of these individuals together as one is, is really failing to get to the root of the issue or is really going to inhibit our ability to change people's mindsets and really get to the bottom of it all. So I believe primarily what we can do first of all, is start with the LGBTQ community and then go to the corporate world. What happens outside of you always starts from what happens within you. So let's first go within our own people and kind of cultivate a sense of self-awareness, a sense of self-knowledge, because these are the foundations of good mental health. Mm. And once our people are able to go into the corporate world or we're we're going to try to build those kind of alliances with our corporate brethren, we are able to do so from a place of confidence, a place of a firm foundation. Do you know what I mean? Because my worry right now is that if we were to try to do something without actually strengthening ourselves first, it's that when they come towards us and they do exactly the same thing that our funders are doing, saying that I'm going to fund you, but only if you do A, B, C, D, we are then going to find ourselves back at square one, doing what they want and then relegating what we recognize as actually important to the sidelines because, well, we need the money. (laughs) So I think it's really just about kind of cultivating that self-concept, that self-knowledge, that kind of self-awareness amongst our own group of people, amongst all of us as individuals, provide that service, provide that knowledge. I think a lot of the time when we think about mental health, we think in terms of therapy. 
right? So I need to go, I need to go see a therapist. I need to go see a psychologist. That's how my mental health is going to be helped. And these services are incredibly expensive. And a lot of our people are not able to afford seeing a psychologist on a a weekly basis, a monthly basis. We don't have access to that kind of funding. We all know that LGBTI people are really just the most economically disadvantaged group. It's really just about kind of changing the mindset. I think as an organization, Mm. it's focusing on the people and getting them to see themselves not as LGBTI people, not have the sexual orientation become the person's identity, but recognize that your sexual orientation is only one part of a deeply complex individual. Mm. You still have your own personality. As a lesbian woman, I love action movies, but you know, there's still that assumption. Oh no, you should like romantic movies. Um, you know, as a lesbian person, I'm deeply spiritual. I believe in God, but a lot of the religion will tell me that I'm not really acceptable according to the parameters. You're touching a lot on, you know, the whole gender norms and the gender stereotypes that we tend to be boxed in. I wonder what you think as a pattern shot then is the right way to move towards redefining a movement that wants to, first of all, break the silence, but second of all, remembering who we are and not losing sight of who we are. Yes, everybody is a sexual being, but our entirety, our entire life is not just about who I go to bed with. We are bigger than that. We are a very dynamic species. How do we balance the two, Alex? How do we break the silence about the lived experiences of sexual and gender minorities while not losing sight of who we are? I think really it comes back to just focus on the individual. The reason we believe all of these things is because that's a narrative that has been given to us by society. As an individual, just because I'm part of the LGBTI community doesn't mean my entire life revolves around sex. It doesn't mean that I feel that if I don't get sex in my life, somehow I'm going to die or somehow I'm not worthy or something like that. No, I think it's about going back to focusing on all of us as individuals Mm. and recognizing that the environment has changed. Once upon a time when the LGBTI movement started, people didn't even know what that was. So we really were forced to come together in unity under one umbrella and say, listen, we are this community. We deserve access to human rights. We were forced to kind of fight. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just for recognition, just to be seen. We had to fight. We had to be loud. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do believe that there's still a place for that. Yeah. But I do also believe that we need to now start shifting our mindsets. We are not fighting anymore. Yeah. We need to we need to start changing our approach. Yeah. Now it's not about that. It's more about building on the foundation that the previous generation already created for us. Now it's about us accepting ourselves rather than trying to be accepted by the world. Yeah. The the people already know that LGBT people, LGBTQ people exist. They may have a very negative narrative, but that's their narrative. Yeah. And it's not really our responsibility to shift someone else's narrative about us. So as an individual, I should stop looking at it as somehow my responsibility to change people's mindsets about LGBTQ people. My responsibility is to be the best version of myself and then allow that personality, allow my character to shine through. Just by being myself, 
people are going to see, oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, this person is LGBTQ, but mm. this person is still just themselves. Yeah. And I see no reason why I need to now lump this person in together. The coming together social events where we're going to come together as LGBTQ people, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. You know what I mean? So we, we don't have the support system externally. So we want to come together. So we come together and and support each other and know that here's this group of people that understand us. Yeah. But at the same time, it has the negative effect of separating us. Mm -hmm. And then we now are creating this narrative where I need to fall within this mold of what we identify as, as LGBTQ people. So I must now neglect or sacrifice my individuality for the acceptance of the entire group. Yeah. So perhaps the solution to most of our problems is realizing who we are, owning who we are, and forgiving ourselves for allowing ourselves to be so mad at the world and then finally just accepting us as we are before wanting someone else to accept us. It's such a beautiful way to put it, Alex. If there's one last thing that you'd like to add, this would be the time. What I can say is that as a lesbian myself, as part of this community, and as someone who has really spent a lot of time self-reflecting and facing my own demons and needing to be honest with myself about all the negative behaviors and toxic patterns that I have picked up, all the the mindset. I, I literally can say that I have been guilty of transphobia myself once upon a time because that is the narrative that I picked up. So what I can say is there is great power for each person, for each one of you as an LGBTQ person. You have the power. At the end of the day, you get to decide who you are. You get to decide what you become. You get to decide what your story looks like. No one else gets to make that decision for you. Yeah. You need to stop giving your power away to other people and, and, and stop expecting other people to accept you. Stop needing people yeah. to accept you and just recognize that you are enough. So take the time to go with it and accept it. If you are angry because of the unfair treatment that you have received, you have every right to be. Do not run away from that. Yes, you have a right to be angry, but also ask yourself, is that anger benefiting you? Is that anger getting you to where you want to be? Are you living because you spend so much of your time angry? Would you say that you are a happy person? Mm. Start really looking at yourself as an individual. Create yourself based on who you want to be and not who other people have told you that you should be. Go within and really search yourself and then make your own decisions. Make them. Do not allow other people to decide for you, to, to decide who you get to be and what you get to do. Yes, this means sometimes you may have to compromise because you don't live on an island by yourself. You live as part of a collective, mm. as part of the human collective. Mm. But that doesn't mean you now have to sacrifice your identity. Your identity is who you are and your identity is not your sexual orientation. Your identity is who you decide to be. So I think as a person, you need to start asking yourself, who are you? I can say that right now I have decided that my identity is a being of light, an absolutely unlimited being of light and love. I am not just a human being. I am a spirit. I am powerful. I am energy. I am undefined. 
and I am unlimited. That is who I am. Then what I do is I am CEO of who I am. I volunteer for ESGM. This is what I do. What do I enjoy? What are my hobbies? All of these are separate aspects of who I am. And I decided those based on who I am, which again is the reason I called the company who I am. Because it's about recognizing that you get to decide. I get to decide who I am. No one else gets to make that decision for me. And as an LGBTQ person, navigating a world that is so determined to tell you who you should be and how you should act, how you should think, take your power back. You get to make that decision. You get to decide what your life looks like. You are the author. Take the pen back. Take your power back. Stop giving it to other people. It's not their job. It's your job. Take responsibility. You can do it. You can do it. It is one, done one step at a time. It is done one day at a time. But the one thing I can promise you is that you can do it. And we are here for you. We are here for you. You are not alone. There are so many of us out there who have been through what you are going through. And we have conquered it. And because we have conquered it, we know that you can do it too. Now you just need to start believing in it yourself. You need to start believing in it, in it and you need to start walking in it wow. because the world needs you to, because you need to. Wow. For Headed Cell podcast, that was Alex Nzunisa, and my name is Melusi Simelane, coming from the kingdom of Eswatini. For Idaho 2020, breaking the silence, in Eswatini, Alex says to you, you are who you are. Take back the power. Thank you for listening. To find out more about what you have heard today, go to paddedcellpodcast.life. Follow the podcast on Twitter at paddedcell underscore pod, Instagram at paddedcell.pod, and follow the Facebook page paddedcellpodcast. Join us again tomorrow as we break the silence on sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, and talk about mental health.